From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Just when you thought it was safe to venture out onto the airwaves, we're back. Yes, I'm Graham VK4BB with our usual cast again this week. VK4FUQ Felix, Jason VK2LAW, Ono VK6FLAB, and also VK4VP, VK6Charlie Sierra Whiskey, and VK4JJW. And bobbing up for more this week, the guys who kept the news rolling whilst I was OS, Brian VK3GR and Robert VK3DN. Thanks, gents. One of our locals who made the trek across to VK9 last week and very quietly celebrated a milestone birthday was reporter VK4JJW John Williams. Oh, and this is the WIA News for week commencing June 5. You've probably heard of The Thornbirds, a world bestseller novel and then TV series written by long-time resident of Norfolk Island, Australian Colleen McCulloch, who passed away last year and now rests on this verdant rock in the middle of the South Pacific. Now, the Wireless Institute of Australia has put Colleen's home on the map again by holding its annual general meeting over the last weekend of May in the 35-square-kilometre or 14-square-mile island paradise with almost 100 hams and their partners making the bit-over two-hour flight from the mainland and staying there for at least the three-day occasion. Some hams have made it a real break and stayed for a week. Flying is the easiest way to get there because ships sometimes have to anchor offshore for weeks, waiting for calm seas to transfer goods and people. In recent years, the WIA AGM has been held in different places all around Australia, and so it was fitting that we journey to a soon-to-be-made official part of the country. Norfolk Island is an Australian external territory, just 1,300 kilometres or 900 miles off the east coast. With a resident population of around 1,500 it has very few hams, and with the passing several years ago of avid Norfolk Island resident DXer, island chaser Jim Smith, VK9NS, there have been very few opportunities since to work this rare location. Some of the latest visitors even went to the trouble and expense of arranging their very own VK9 call, expressly to activate the island again, if only for a short time. But then that makes it even more desirable for the DX hound, doesn't it? When the formalities and socialising of the AGM weekend didn't get in the way, there was a fair amount of CQDX happening from the land of Norfolk pine trees. I was there too. I'm John Williams, VK4JJW. Thanks, John. Now, this week we'll be joined by WIA's Phil Waite, Roger Harrison and Robert Broomhead with more on last weekend's AGM and forum on Norfolk. However, as it was all streamed in real time, no doubt you are abreast of the activities. So, we'll bring the normal news coverage forward and finish with a wrap of VK9WIA. The Trans-Indian Ocean Beacon was years in the planning, but the experiment is over. Jason, VK2LAW, tells more. It was supposed to help enable better VHF transmissions along the challenging path between South Africa and Australia. Now the VK6RIO, Trans-Indian Ocean Beacon, is about to be no more. The 2-metre beacon, using chirp modulation, is a project of the Northern Corridor Radio Group in Perth, Australia. It was designed to detect openings on 144 MHz across the Indian Ocean via tropospheric ducting 
and enabled deeper study of propagation conditions across the Indian Ocean. The VHF path between the two nations exceeds 8,500 kilometres and the beacon's frequency was 144.950 megahertz. Researchers had great hope for its success. Chirp modulation can be detected 50 decibels below the noise floor in a bandwidth of 2 kilohertz. But with the depreciating South African RAND and the lack of local support, however, researchers have called the project off. I'm Jason Daniels, VK2LAW, in Sydney, Australia. Australian Pico Balloon are honoured. The Wireless Institute of Australia has recognised the record-breaking achievements of Andy Nugent, VK3YT, by naming him in its WIA Merit Award program, while one of his Pico party-type balloons, VK9WI, flew at high altitude. Andy, VK3YT, was given the WIA Technical Excellence Award for his work with the Pico space balloons, including one that circumnavigated the Southern Hemisphere nearly three times. In the middle of 2015, Pico balloon PS46 floated more than 110,800 kilometres before descending into the Indian Ocean due to bad weather. Additionally, Andy VK3YT, whilst on a working holiday, also floated and tracked two solar-powered Pico balloons that he launched in the USA. The prestigious WIA Technical Excellence Award was granted amidst applause by those at the annual general meeting held on Saturday, May 28, on Norfolk Island. VK3YT, who was unable to be at the AGM, was later very humble in receiving the award for what many see as pioneering work and a new era for small, solar-powered balloons carrying amateur radio payloads. The PS balloons have sparked a lot of interest among trackers throughout the world and is known to have given a few radio amateurs a new challenge. For the occasion, the balloon PS64 was launched that included a greeting message to the WIA AGM using the VK9WI callsign, but it was brought down by poor weather. However, Andy was ready with a backup. The VK9WI balloon was launched, PS65 that initially headed south to Tasmania, then across to New Zealand, and at last report is moving southerly towards South America. Like his recent balloon, that latest PS65 has a 25 milliwatt transmitter using Whisper and JT9 on the 30 metre band. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. What use is an F call? During the week, we were subjected to some unusual lightning activity. There was lots to go around and it raises the issue on what to do when lightning is nearby. The obvious comments about disconnecting your radio from your antenna is pretty common knowledge. But there are other things that might happen that you hadn't thought about. Lightning is an electrostatic discharge, and strangely enough, RF is closely related. In that your antenna system converts electric energy into voltages that then insert into your radio. So lightning will just as easily affect your antenna as it does your radio. We have a basic understanding that a lightning strike directly into the radio is a good way to let out the magic smoke. And a comment should be made that you don't need lightning for this to happen. Just static electricity in the air is enough to build up enough charge for your radio to die. It's not uncommon to see sparks between the centre and shield on an antenna connector while thunderstorms are about. While all this is going on, I'd like to point out that the feed line can be affected by lightning and it doesn't have to be a direct strike. Your coax may be heated up, a short might happen, a connector might be affected, and if you have lightning arrestors, they might be fused. 
The point of this is that even if you disconnected your antenna from your radio to protect it, the rest of the system might be affected, and it pays to check the state of your antennas and feed lines before resuming the operation of your station. If you don't, you may find yourself in a situation where your radio survived the lightning storm, only to die when you put full power into your antenna system. Finally, lightning doesn't only have to come from above. If you're near a strike, the earth might come up and bite your hardware from the other end. It's called Earth Potential Rise, or EPR, and it can kill. The killer isn't that there is a high potential, it's that there is a difference in potential. From the impact point of lightning, potential is dissipated in all directions. As the distance from the impact point increases, the potential decreases. Imagine a field where lightning strikes. Cows who are facing the lightning will have a different potential between their fore and rear legs, causing a current to flow through their bodies, including the heart. This is enough to kill. A cow standing side-on has the same effect, but the distance is the width of the cow, not its length so the currents are less. This same phenomenon happens within your station, the earthing system, the radio, power supply and the like. So, lightning, it can ruin your day if it hits directly, but you should pay attention to it even if it didn't hit you. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima, Alpha Bravo. Locally produced, nationally voiced, globally heard. We are VK1WIA. Just when you thought it was safe and I'd done my bit this week, I'm back. Yes, John VK4JJW. This time with the international news, thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, and the worldwide sources of the WIA. GK4LOH received over 3,467 kilometres on 144 megs. We've received news that a reflection from the structure of the International Space Station enabled a 144.175 MHz signal from Tim GK4LOH in Cornwall to cross the Atlantic. At 0240 UTC May 24, 2016 ISS flypast, a signal was heard 2 minutes 45 into the recording and continued for over a minute. The transmitted message was... GK4LOH, GK4LOH, TTTTTTTTTT. In what's being called an unprecedented move, nearly two dozen Bengalese mountaineers earned their amateur radio licenses in late May and will soon be using portable radios to provide climber safety, emergency rescues, and if need be, help with searches for missing and fallen climbers. According to VU2JFA of the West Bengal Radio Club, the climber's licences are likely the first ever to be issued to any mountaineer. He said that in addition to carrying HF radios with antennas in their backpacks, the guides will also be outfitted with transmitters that send their position to base camp for tracking purposes in case of an emergency. The new IARU Region 1 HF ban plan came into effect on the 1st of June 2016. Changes were made to the ban plan during discussions at the Region 1 interim meeting held in Vienna in April. The recommendations from this meeting were approved at the Region 1 EC meeting in Brussels in May and became interim Region 1 policy until the General Conference in September 2017. The two main items are the introduction of a Digimode segment at 3570 to 3580 kHz with a maximum bandwidth of 200 Hz and a Digimode segment with maximum bandwidth of 500 Hz extended from 10,130 to 10,150 kHz. 
The band plan is available from both IARU and SARL websites. I'm John VK4JJW. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational news on Felix VK4FUQ 2016. 10 International Summer Contest August 6 and 7. Remembrance RID Contest August 13 and 14. 36 Alara Contest is on the last four weekend in August, August 27 28. Kevin K6TAP is on the air as VP2V stroke K6TAP from Tortola. IOTA reference NA023 in the British Virgin Islands. He will be active until the 15th of June. Operations on the 40, 20, 15 and 10 metre bands using mostly CW. QSL via NR6M. Stefan DF8HS will be active from Weimar Island EU128 from the 6th of June until the 4th of July. A good guy is Stefan. He QSLs via the Bureau. John K9EL will be active as FS-K9E from St. Martin. NA105 from the 5th to the 23rd of June. He will be on the 80 to 6 metre bands using CWSSB and RITI. QSL via his home call sign via the Bureau. Radio Amateurs of Canada has told us it has secured permission for all Canadian radio amateurs to use special call sign prefixes to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Canada's Confederation. National, regional, and local events will take place throughout 2017 to celebrate the anniversary. And Canadian amateurs will let their counterparts around the world know of their celebration by using the following special prefixes CF, CG, CH, CI. These special prefixes are optional, and amateurs can choose if and when to use the special prefix versus their normal prefix at any time during 2017. Prefix hunters should look for the special event station being operated by the Radio Club des Ardennes until 21st of June. The call sign is OS101AB and commemorates the 101st Airborne Division action during the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. QSLs can be sent via the Belgian QSL Bureau. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. This is VK1WIA. All points of contact from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ARDF Tony 4, Radio Direction Finding Fun Happening Soon If you're in the vicinity of the Townsville region on Saturday July 2nd from 1pm and want to get involved in a fox hunt then Tony VK4 TJS wants to hear from you There will be activities for all family members to participate in during the fox hunt and things will end up with some great catering Fox Hunt Base will be Area 2, Rossiter Park, Aikenvale, where the TARC AGMs are held. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ATV, the annual IARU ATV contest is happening on Saturday and Sunday, June 11 and 12. The international contest includes all bands from 432 MHz up, and additionally the BATC will run an ATV contest on 71 MHz, and 146 MHz at the same time, so the contest will effectively be all bands in the UK. To encourage reduced bandwidth, RBTV, 
There will be two prizes for the best DXRB TV contact during the contest. The contest runs from 1pm BST on Saturday 11 June until 7pm BST on Sunday June 12. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Amateur Old Timers. And here's a reminder, tomorrow, Monday, June the 6th, the Radio Amateur Old Timers Club of Australia's monthly news and information bulletin goes to air. But with more, here is VK6 CSW Clive. This month, as well as all the usual REOTC news, we have three items for you. A look at quick-charge batteries, Mr High-Speed Morse, and some follow-up comments on the operation of optical keyers. Everyone, REOTC members and non-members alike, is most welcome to listen to the bulletin and to join in the callbacks afterwards. There are several ways to hear the program. The principal HF transmission will be on 20 metres on 14.150 MHz upper sideband starting at 0100 UTC, beamed north from Melbourne for the Eastern States listeners. An hour later, at 0200 UTC, there will be a 40-metre transmission from Perth on 7088 kHz lower sideband, plus a simultaneous transmission via all linked NewsWest repeaters. Additionally, several local relays take place. To find the times and frequencies for your area, please visit the RAOTC website at www.raotc.org.au. If none of these transmissions suit your schedule, then as from Tuesday morning, you can download the audio file from the website, which once again is www.raotc.org.au. So once again, the June RAOTC Bulletin is scheduled for tomorrow, Monday the 6th of June. 7-3 from Clive, VK6CSW. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Last Sunday, Sunshine Coast Club assisted with the running of the 160km and 100km bike rides, which form part of the Noosa Ultimate Sports Festival. Provided was a communications hub to enable communications to over 20 checkpoints around the course. From SCARC, here is VK4 VP Gordon. This was operated as a Weissen exercise and Skark provided two experienced operators set up in the Noosa Surf Club to coordinate messages between the checkpoint operators and back to race command. This was done via the 2 metre Noosa and Gimpy repeaters, which provided excellent coverage for the entire course, with a lot of it accessible by a handheld radio. Skark also provided APRS tracking of the two lead motor vehicles and the two sag wagons or sweep vehicles. The position data from these vehicles was relayed on the existing APRS network and ultimately to the APRS internet servers. Due to the hilly terrain, a temporary fill-in digipeter was installed on the course where an APRS black spot had earlier been identified. Ride Command could see exactly where the lead and the tail end of both of the 160 and the 100km bikes were at any time via a dedicated laptop and large monitor at Race Command Centre at the Noosa Surf Club. This bike ride is a large event with a large number of bike riders participating on public roads for about 8 hours. The added safety of good communications was essential to the success of yet another Noosa bike ride. The Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club is proud to be associated with such an important local event. 
Well, until next time, this has been Gordon, VK4VP. And that's all from me. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hi, this is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, President of the WIA. As I'm sure everybody is quite aware by now, last weekend was the WIA's AGM and Open Forum weekend on Norfolk Island. The AGM is the formal part of the proceedings where the silent keys are remembered and the new elected board members are formally announced and the Directors and Treasurers report are discussed and voted on. Both reports were accepted by the meeting with two fairly minor items from the Treasurers report being referred back for clarification. Following the Open Forum, the WIA Service Awards were announced. Life membership was awarded to Ted Thrift, VK2ARA, particularly for his work in affiliated club coordination and managing the club insurance scheme since its inception. The GA Taylor Medal, the WIA's highest award, was given to Dale Hughes, VK1DSH, for representing the amateur service internationally for many years and for his leadership role in the official Australian delegation to WAC 15 in Geneva. The Chris Jones Award was given to Jenny Waldrop for her consistent support of the WIA and ALARA over five decades, as well as her historical research work, particularly on women in amateur radio. The Ron Wilkinson Award was given to David Scott, VK2JDS, for his activities in 1296 Moonbounce, helping to maintain this leading-edge amateur pursuit. Technical Excellence Awards were awarded to Andy Nugan, VK3YT, for his work with Pico Balloons, and, together, David Learmouth, VK3M, and Lou Blasco, VK3ALB, for the repurposing of ex-commercial 3.5 gig equipment, which has increased activity on the 9cm band. This year we had two new WIA Service Awards, the Michael J. Owen Distinction, given for outstanding service to the WIA, and the Foundation Award for excellence demonstrated in the true spirit of the Foundation Licence. The inaugural Michael J. Owen Distinction was awarded to Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, for his exceptional voluntary service for the WIA over many decades also for his role as coordinator of the Historical and Archive Committee and Articles to Amateur Radio magazine on Australian amateurs in World War I and World War II for the Anzac Centenary. The inaugural Foundation Awards were given to Ono Benshop, VK6 FLAB, for his very enthusiastic work on helping newcomers to the hobby and Damien Clissold, VK5 FDEC, for enthusiastic, consistent participation in QRP, portable and field day activities in the best traditions of the Foundation Licence. Publication Committee Awards are given to those who have made a standout contribution during the year to both the content and production of AR Magazine. These include the Higginbotham Award to Evan Jarman, VK3 ANI, for 37 years service to AR Magazine. The Al Shawsmith Award to Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, for his series of articles commemorating the Anzac Centenary. Peter's been busy this year. And the AR Magazine Technical Award to Jim Tregalis, VK5JST, for his article, A VHF-UHF Aerial Analyzer. 
This year, President's commendations were given to Adrian Addison, VK5FANA, John Bates, VK7RT, Lloyd Butler, VK5BR, Mike Charteris, VK4QS, Ron Cook, VK3AFW, Noel Higgins, VK3NH, Peter Cossins, VK3BFG, Peter Gibson, VK3AZL, Tony Hambling, VK3XV, June Sim, VK4SJ, and Roy Watkins, VK6XV. The meeting then moved to the open forum segment, where any item of interest to members concerning amateur radio and the WIA can be discussed. This year, the discussion centred around youth and amateur radio, the future format and delivery of AR magazine, the potential for website advertising, and how to grow WIA membership, including the possibility of giving a free associate membership to all new amateurs. Finally, we watched a video promotion for the location of the next WIA AGM, and I'm pleased to say next year is Adelaide. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD President of the WIA. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, back from Norfolk Island and with a brief overview of the WIA AGM Weekend of Activities. The WIA, the Wireless Institute of Australia, held its annual general meeting and associated events on Norfolk Island May the 27th, 28th and 29th. Whilst many attending also stayed a bit longer to enjoy visiting the multitude of tourist attractions on offer. The first main activity was an informal evening at the Norfolk RSL. The RSL was reformed as a sub-branch in 1945 after the end of World War II and is very much part of the local heritage. WIA President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, gave a short welcome speech and there was also very enthusiastic support shown for the traditional RSL raffle. A few later ventured to the recently opened Jolly Roger live music venue that has become an attraction for locals and tourists alike. Owned by well-known musician Matt Zarb, featuring him dressed as a pirate complete with a parrot on his shoulder. On Saturday the 28th at 9am in the Paradise Hotel was the formal statutory AGM, followed after morning tea by the open forum, with some informative interactive exchanges between the audience and the WIA board. Lunch was followed by a two-stream speaker program over the afternoon. During this time, the partners enjoyed a choice of two tours of the island, and all came together for the annual dinner at 7pm at the Paradise Hotel. Keynote speaker for the dinner was the Honourable Gary Hardgrave, Administrator of Norfolk Island, who spoke about the island's intriguing history and the challenging time of change ahead. The guest speaker at the dinner was Doug McVeigh, VK0DMV, who gave an illustrated talk about his recent time on Casey Station in the Australian Antarctic, its abundance of wildlife, the science carried out, and how many nations shared the resources on the icy continent. During the entire event, a daily mini-broadcast of the latest information was aired through the VK9RNI UHF repeater at 5.30pm, with many check-ins. Qualifying contacts for the Norfolk Island Award, including Foundation license holders, kept the repeater busy. Other QSOs were on 2-metre simplex and HF. The commemorative VI9 Anzac callsign has had around 400 contacts. Some of these were from the station set up at the Paradise Hotel and others 
from members in the field working on a roster basis, with one such operation at Puppies Point. Alara hosted a special afternoon tea for Kirsty Jenkins-Smith, VK9NL, who was pleased to meet the many who attended. Kirsty VK9NL was happy with the Echolink contact she made possible during the afternoon occasion. On Sunday the 29th, a number of groups walked to Mount Bates, which included a SOTA activation. A planned visit to Jackie Jackie, the peak on nearby Phillip Island, was not possible as the trip had to be cancelled due to the windy weather. And during the weekend, a number visited the highly elevated Mount Bates on more than one occasion. Also on Sunday, two microwave enthusiasts, Keith Gooley, VK5OQ, and Roger Harrison, VK9NJ, that's VK2ZRH, ventured out to check out the local propagation. At dusk on Sunday evening, a traditional island fish fry was held at Puppies Point, a promontory overlooking the sea on the northwest side of the island. Beside the food and music, a highlight was a performance by three traditional Tahitian dancers who gave lessons, with many from the WIA joining in. The WIA AGM weekend was highly successful. More details will be able to be found in the upcoming edition of AR Magazine and the President's Column, and a fuller coverage with photographs in the August edition of AR Magazine. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with some news from Norfolk Island. At the Institute's annual general meeting and open forum weekend of activities on Norfolk Island last weekend, the 80, 40 and 20 metre bands ran red hot with DXs, soda enthusiasts and related activities. The 2 metre and 70 centimetre bands lit up with visitor traffic too. Decades ago, local singer-songwriter Bob Hudson recorded the Newcastle song, which lit up the pop music charts for a period. The memorable chorus line goes, Don't you ever let a chance go by, which pretty much sums up the chief amateur radio activities over the weekend. Taking that philosophy to an extreme, the 3.4 gigs and 10 gigs bands got a workout on Sunday afternoon with a little jaunt by two of us to high and low points on Norfolk. Keith Gurley, VK5OQ, and yours truly did the deed. Keith worked at IPS Radio and Space Services, now Space Weather Services, back in the 1970s when I also worked there. Late last year, Keith and I exchanged emails about taking some 10 gig rigs to Norfolk for some microwave portable frolics. Keith has a 10 gig transverter in a box that has an integral waveguide horn antenna. However, my 10 gig rig is built onto a 65 centimetre dish and not readily repackageable. We set out to hunt down a compact 10 gig rig on loan. Then I recently acquired a pair of 3.4 gig transverters with integral patch antenna, those famously obtained by the Geelong Amateur Radio Club. <laughs> we conspired to loan each other the required rigs for the Norfolk Island microwave jaunt. On the Sunday afternoon, Keith, accompanied by AR Magazine editor Peter Freeman, VK3PF, drove up to the lookout on Mount Pitt, the second highest peak on Norfolk while Ross Masterson, VK2VV, and I drove down to Kingston and found a spot next to Kingston Jail, from where we could see Mount Pitt. And so it was. Keith VK5OQ Portable 9 worked yours truly, VK9NJ, on 3.4 gigs, 
quickly followed by VK3PF Portable 9. Unbeknown to me, there was a small crowd witnessing the event on Mount Pitt, and in rapid succession a bunch of VK2s, VK3s, VK4s and VK5s called me for a contact. So the 9cm band sounded like 40 metres there for a while. Changing to the 10 gig rigs, Keith, Peter and I repeated the exercise, also followed by contacts with a bunch of onlookers at Mount Pitt. Post-Norfolk, a calculation revealed the path distance to be just shy of 5 kilometres. Our claim for a microwave DX record for 10 gigs will shortly be submitted to the WIA Technical Advisory Committee. The VK9NA VHF UHF de-expedition of January 2011 has the DX record for the 3.4 gig band. Damn. Keith Jagger saying, you can't always get what you want. Nevertheless, for a couple of microwavers, it was a very productive Norfolk Island jaunt. I'd like to thank David VK2JDS for 3.4 gig engineering, along with Peter VK3PF, and Ross, VK2VV, for assistance as Norfolk Road Crew. And Gary, VK5ZD, for the loner 10 gig rig. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. Well, there we be, a wrap-up of the WIA, AGM and Open Forum on Norfolk, and the end of WIA National News for this week. Again, it's thanks to Brian and Robert for handling the news whilst I was away. On the social scene, June 11 and 12 in VK5, it's the VK Fox Hunting Championship and the Surg Convention at Mount Gambier. July 9, 10 in VK3, Gips Tech 2016 at Churchill. And August 7 in VK6, NCRG Hamfest, 9am Cyril Jackson Community Hall at Ashfield. Now till next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4, Baker Baker. Yes, walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.